The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on 1240 AM WGBB. Mike Trezza on hand along with Mike Godome for the next hour. Plenty of football talk for you tonight. Jets, Giants. We'll talk some Rangers later on in the show, and we'll also talk about Jacob DeGrom moving on. Before we do any of that, let me say hi to my co-host, the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, wonderful to be back again. And, yes, it's kind of fitting here tonight on a cold, wintry December night that we're talking a little hot stove baseball. Uh, the, the stove has gotten hot, as you said, with Jacob DeGrom as DeGon. And we're going to get to that in just a moment as well. But, uh, yeah, plenty of football and, and basketball to talk about tonight. Where are we on social, Mike? We are at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk and then WGBBSportsTalk.com. 516-623-1240 is the phone number to get on the center and throw it deep with us tonight. And you know what, Mike? We mentioned it, so we might as well dig right in. You told me when this news came down late in the week about DeGrom moving on, signing a big contract with the Texas Rangers, you were unhappy. Now, uh, I didn't really ask you too much about it because I wanted to save it for the show, but... Uh, who exactly are you unhappy with? You unhappy with the Mets? Are you unhappy with the Rangers? You unhappy with Degrom? Do you think it's too much money? What you take? I mean, I think I'm just unhappy in general in losing Jacob Degrom, homegrown talent. Um, always seemed to you know have his head squarely on his shoulders. He was kind of the anti Noah Syndergaard. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I think as more comes out, I'm going to be a little bit more disappointed with him, uh, more so than the Mets, who it looks like they didn't get even get a chance to. To counter the last offer, but um, you know, hey, listen, 185 million. You can't sneeze at that. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of money, but you know what? Well, let's bring our uh, our Met reporter yeah, on. I'm interested to hear this one. Yeah, Chris Caputo, the man we call Cap. Nobody has stronger opinions nor follows the Mets more closely than he. So let's get him on. Cap, how are you this evening? Mike and Mike, good to talk to you on a different occasion. Yeah, so um, Mike says he's upset. Uh, I got the impression you were somewhat less than upset. What was your reaction to the news of Jake DeGrom moving on from the Metropolitans? Um, I, you know, I think Mike had a, a, a favoritism towards DeGrom on the Mets, and um, you know, I try not to get too much of that. Uh, I understand that it's a business, and five years, $185 million is a lot. Um, but it sounded early on that he wanted that fourth year at least and probably close to maybe $180 million. Um, and I think this all started back in spring training when he didn't get, you know, the, the talks stopped and he didn't get what he wanted. And he just said, fine. And then he got hurt and people were like, well, you're still going to opt out? He said, yeah, I'm still going to opt out. Um, even though I got hurt, I'm still going to opt out. And he tried to pitch his way back to it. So uh, as much as people said, oh, I think the Rangers are going to be out of it. And then all of a sudden Tampa's in it and this team's in it. I still didn't think the Mets were 100% certain to pull him in. And um, I don't know if I'm upset with, with the Grom for, you know, doing it that way. But 
I would say, if anything, people are probably upset that he didn't come back to the Mets to ask for one last time. But that's his choice. You know, if he went to the Rangers and they said, we're going to give you five years, who knows? Maybe we'll find out. The Mets told him, in no matter, would we give you a fifth. And, and in some way, shape, or form, in his contract, he has a possibility for a sixth year and $220 million, and he'd be 40 years old at that point. Cap, I know you had said that uh, the Mets really didn't have a chance or he didn't come back to the Mets uh, you know, to do that. I think that was my, my main focus during all of this was that, um, you got to come back and, and and give them at least one chance, regardless of whatever they might have said with you know with posturing and all that kind of stuff. So, do you think this is a he said she said kind of thing, or or you you know pretty pretty sold on the fact that you know the, the offer from from Texas was just too big to turn down? Mike, even beyond that, I don't really think he wanted to be in New York anymore. Um, supposedly there was a Zoom conversation between Degrom and his wife that that uh, and the Rangers that went really well. So. You gotta remember now, Chris Young, former, uh, everything, but also did pitch for the Mets, was supposed to be a Mets GM at one point, and then all of a sudden wanted to be close to his family in Texas. He's the GM there. Bruce Bochy gets pulled out of retirement. Is this stuff that maybe DeGrom wanted? I guess. I just don't think he really wanted to come back once everything kind of fell apart in the offseason. I don't think he wanted to be in New York, um, and I think he was gone. I think he just was trying to find the best deal. Um, the hard part is, you know, when we lost Wheeler and, and, and some of these other big names, we all said, we're not getting these guys because, you know, it's Freddie Coupons coming in. And now you got Cohen coming in, and you're still not keeping these guys. They're still going elsewhere. So I think that's what it is. It's kind of that same old Mets type thing, and that's the part that hurts. Is you thought just because a guy has billions upon billions of dollars that guys are just going to drop everything and stay in New York, and another one bites the dust. Yeah, Cap, you know, I, I, I gotta bring this up as well, you know, with DeGrom. Do you think, uh, this kind of popped into my mind last year with, with signing Max Scherzer. I mean, I think we were all thrilled as Met fans that he was coming aboard. Um, but you know, he, he got that huge contract with, with a very, very heavy, um, average salary. You think that in any way might have, you know, kind of put Jake into a spot where he's like, all right, well, you know, you're paying a free agent to come here on a higher average salary than I'm making right now, and I've been a been a good employee here, a good Met, even even though he was injured. Um, do you think he was like, you know what, that's going to be my starting point and, then, and not a penny less, and maybe he was a little annoyed by that? I think um, I think the Mets pretty much offered him the AAV with the three years, right. supposedly three, three 120 right? million. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he was going to get 40. It's just a matter of would the Mets have come in at four and add another 30-something on that, you know, 155. Would they have done that? I don't know if they would have come back. And they were saying, oh, if it's even, maybe he'll come to the Mets. But, you know, four and 155 is, you know, AAV better than, than five and 180 um, or close to it. And um, I don't know. I Honestly, I think he just wanted out and he wanted the extra years. Because once you get the extra years – you know, you're looking at instead of 120, guaranteed 180, 220. I mean, that's big time money. Um, and, and I know the, the next question is kind of where do you go from there? I still think that the Mets will try now to throw money, um, at, um, Scherzer's friend, and that's, uh, Verlander. Yeah. And, uh, at one, 175 ERA, the guy's going to be 40 years old this year, wants to pitch into his mid 40s. I could see them giving the same type of contract that they gave to Scherzer last year. 
at three years and $120 million. Yeah, I could see that too, Chris. But you know what? The danger there is I think Scherzer was kind of out of gas at the end of the season. He was lousy down the stretch. He was lousy in the playoffs. And you're going to do the same thing with Verlander. You're going to have two uh, very, very expensive uh, guys that are either closing in on 40 or have already passed 40 at the top of your rotation. Uh, what do you think about that? But he pitched at a 170 RA at 39 years old. Since he came back from that Tommy John surgery, he has been phenomenal. And I understand, yeah, maybe he hits a dead, dead arm at the end of the, the, the year, but he still pitched decent in the playoffs. Um, and DeGrom didn't show you much, and what did he pitch, 12 games this year? The guy hasn't pitched more than 14 games in the last three years. Now, was he good in 2019, 2016, 2015? MVP seasons, absolutely. But Jacob DeGrom is 34 years old and in his 30s has not pitched a season where he's thrown a lot. The other thing is, Jacob DeGrom still, he's going to pitch his 14 strikeouts per nine innings. But look at his home runs. He went from .6 per nine innings to 1.3. May not be giving up more hits, but he's giving up more bombs. And that's because that fastball is not locating as well. Injuries, injuries, injuries. You know, they're going to have to deal with that. Now, they took on a risk down in Texas, but they needed to. They got Marcus Simeon. They've got, you know, um, Seager. They're trying to go for it this year, and I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's going to be awkward to see him in a Rangers uniform, but honestly, I've kind of gotten used to this. Guys are just bouncing around, and the next guy on the Mets could be something that looks awkward as well. Now, what about the guys that are already here, Chris? I know Walker is a free agent, and I think Bassett is as well. Is that correct? Correct. All you basically have right now is you have Verlander, you have Carrasco. Um, if you want to throw David Peterson and uh, Tyler McGill, that would be your four. No, you don't um, have Verlander they... yet. You're hoping to get Verlander. <laughs> correct. Yeah, you, um, you so, Scherzer. So, yeah. Scherzer, sorry. Um, so you have four guys. I mean, I don't know if it, I don't think they're going to get Renown because the guy, um, he's only 30 years old. He's going to want a five-year deal. I don't think the Mets are going to throw all that for another guy with injuries. Um, he had Tommy John surgery in 2019. They got the guy from Japan, uh, Kodai Senga, who's thrown 101, uh, 285 ERA in Japan. Kind of your best bet. Um, has he pitched against great, you know, pitchers? Not really, but it's the closest thing you're going to get to an Otani type pitcher here. Um, and, yeah, Bassett Tyone uh, from the Yankees is on their list, and, and Walker. I would say it's probably in the order of um, getting maybe Verlander and Senga, and then if not kind of – I mean, I don't, I, honestly, guys, I don't want to get Bassett five years after what he did at the end of the year. Uh, but, but if he's going to come at a, at a $14 million price tag, maybe you can get him. See, Cap, my – I'm a little more warm and fuzzy about this because I'm a few years older than you. So, you know, the, the, the free agent ping pong was really not around during those times. But just think back, you know, to a couple of years ago. Steven Matz, right? Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, the, the Dark Knight, Jacob deGrom. None of them are in a Met uniform anymore. That, I think that's a, that's gotta be a little weird even to, you know, a grizzled seven line guy like yourself, don't you say? Yeah, it's tough to, to put an X through every single one of them. You know, remember NYPD? Those guys didn't pan out. Everybody has it out for all those big-time guys. And, you know, you got to also remember that those days are like seven years away. Is it, is it like that those, long ago? I mean, <laughs> you think about the playoffs being, you know, 2015, 2016. Yeah, they right. weren't all around then. But um, we got what, what we could out of these guys. And Jacob DeGrom did not want to be in New York. And that's kind of, to me... 
what the bottom line is. And you can blame the Mets. You can blame um, Jacob deGrom. I just think it it kind of played its time out. And when he left that mound, uh, you know, in October for his last start, I think he knew that if the Mets didn't win the next day that that he was gone. And it's it's different. You know, it definitely is. you got to remember, this guy was a shortstop, um, and, and now he's a pitcher. And um, I don't think he has five more good years than him. I think the Rangers are trying to get three good ones out of him. One more quick one for me, Chris. Um, you know, pitching in Texas, boy, I'll tell you, um, with the newfound restraint that the Angels are going to have in terms of payroll, and obviously Oakland never spends, um, do you think that there's any chance at all that Jake will find his way into the postseason any time over that next three or four years he's under contract with the Rangers? The way the the, 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 the team is right now, not really. Um, I just don't see that. You got to remember, Jacob Degrom was not a twenty and eight winner. Like, never got run support. Um, you know, one year pitched unbelievable and and had an under five hundred record. Um, even in his MVP type years, was ten and eight. So, um, I, I I don't know if they're gonna baby him down there and pull him after six and whatever. But I don't see him hitting a postseason right away. I think he left for the money. Uh, you gotta also remember with no, no taxes down in, in Texas, he's walking away with way more money than, than what he got in New York. And I think that was another thing that was a detriment to the Mets. Well, we'll keep an eye on it throughout the postseason, Chris. Great job as always. Thanks for popping on. All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes. I think some of the other Mets are going to kind of have to wait. You know, now they're going to change their, their stops on the meetings and, you know, I think it's going to be Judge will sign first before Brandon Nimmo, but uh, I think the Mets' eyes in the field are going to be towards Brandon Nimmo, and I think they're going to go internal with, uh, you know, hitting is, is going to be a big thing. I think Alvarez is going to wind up DHing with Brett Beatty. Those guys are going to be like the DHs. So I think the Mets um, will be okay as far as it goes with hitting, but, uh, I mean, with pitching, but I worry about their hitting once again. All right. Happy holidays, Good stuff to talk All right, about, guys. All right. Be well, Bill. Bye. Any update on the Islanders game, Mike? Islanders. All right, let's see. Well, you know what? Taking on the Blackhawks tonight, who surprisingly took out the Rangers last night. They were came. They came in on a five-game losing streak. Nothing surprises street. me with well, the Rangers. We're going to we're gonna get to, we're that, get to that in the other moment. Chris a little bit later on. <laughs> yeah, Islanders and Blackhawks end of first period scoreless. Okay. Where is that game? Is that out in Chicago? No, nope, that, that is at UBS Arena. UBS. Beautiful Elmont. I think when we get out of here, we should pop in. Let's go. Party. I think they'll let us in. Right? Yeah, why not? Do <laughs> you know who we are? I mean, come on. Don't you understand where we're coming from right now? <laughs> well, you know what? We've got to hope that by the third period, nobody's at the door, and we kind of That's walk true. in like, yes. you know, we belong there. And Absolutely. You know. Most definitely. Well, hot takes right there for, from uh, from our Met guy, of course, Chris Caputo, who, um, you know, he he is a diehard. It it really does. It it surprises me though that he's kind of so matter of fact about. It. And it, I think that's just today's younger fan, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to be. Well, looking forward to you know again a little bit more hot stove baseball this week because you have the winter meetings, I believe, out in San Diego. So that's going to be happening early this week. So you know, normally it used to be that's where all the all the lowdown happened, but you know now it's just kind of uh, glorified, you know, meetings and things. But um, yeah, Aaron Judge is, is he's going to be the next big domino here. Yeah, but crazy, crazy day of football here in New York. Yes, sir, Mike. Uh, you know, 
Good thing that we had we have John uh, to talk about the uh, Jet game because right. you and I were very locked in on the Giant game, which we're going to get to. And you know, as you and I have talked about, hopefully that thing comes to an end soon with both teams being better this year, where they put us on opposite one another. <laughs> but uh, let's bring in the man who's usually our Islanders report. He's going to talk a little Jets with us today, and that is Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria. What's up, John? Hey, good evening, guys. As the Islanders just finished up the first period scoreless, just to keep everybody heads up as we uh, are in the middle of the game at the moment. Okay. So, John, out in uh, Minnesota today, your man Mike White, 31 for 57. No TDs, two interceptions, but he did run one in. And you guys made it, you guys made it a little rough on Minnesota in the end of that game. Jets now seven and five. Well, coming into the game, we know Minnesota has won almost all of their games this year, by one score or less. And one of the problems they had last year with Mike Zimmer coaching the team was that the Vikings were not able to finish games. Watching them up closely today, no, this is an absolute different Vikings team. They sling the ball around. They got to Kirk The Jets got to Kirk Cousins. They did everything they had to do. The Vikings defense won this game today because they stopped the Jets in the red zone. The problem I had with a couple of the play calls, not enough use of the running game as I have the box score in front of me. The one stat that was a little unacceptable, maybe Robert Sowell will address it this week, James Robinson, four carries for 10 yards. Why wasn't he in there on a couple of those plays on third and goal, fourth and goal, where they missed when it was still 27-22, when they missed on the turnover, and then towards the end of the game, because maybe that would have taken some pressure off of them when they got the football back later on. John, I just want to ask you a question about another play that happened within the game. I believe late second quarter, uh, Jets went for it on fourth down and were stopped, and, and then Vikings came down and kicked a field goal. Am I right on that? Yeah, correct. That was right before halftime, and then the Jets got a field goal of their own before halftime. So essentially, it was a cross-even play, so it's not like anybody really gained anything going into the half. How do you feel about that that fourth down call? Do you think that was a little early to be to be trying that in that kind of field position? Not at all, because not at all, especially because of that firepower offense you have, and you never. But also the confidence they had in the defense too. So you kind of got to take your chances there, and that was a good chance to to uh, do that. Now, in watching a couple of the other games today, I'm watching the Los Angeles Chargers now very closely, as this impacts the Jets too. A little bit different when Brandon Staley's going for it at the 30-yard line in situations like that. Going for it, maybe I can live with that once, but not all the time. So it's like, okay, once they're a little bit close, that's good chance to take that. You have enough confidence in your D to hold them to a field goal. I don't know if they feel the same way in Los Angeles. So that's why I said what the Jets did was fine. 516-623-1240 is the number here on Sports Talk New York. We're talking to Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria, who was our – Jets beat guy as well as our Islanders. Um, yeah, 57 passes today. Mike White coming off the bench game two. Um, does he stay with the job? I would think he'd get the Buffalo game next week. I, I don't see why not because then what you got to think about too is after that you have Detroit at home on a normal week and you have the Jaguars on Thursday night on a short week. So I think you'll stick Mike White out till at least the Jaguars game. And then if you're thinking about a change to Zach Wilson, wait till after that when you have the extra rest. 
Yeah, so you guys did a pretty good job on Cousins today, as you mentioned, John. Only 21 for 53, 173 for Kirk. One touchdown, no interceptions. Dalvin Cook, the running back, 20 for 86 and a touchdown. So you guys, you know, I thought once they went up two scores, that was going to be it for you guys. But you guys did a good job getting back in that game. The guy I want to talk to you about, John, is um, Garrett Wilson. Eight catches, 162, no matter if it's Zach Wilson throwing them the ball or Mike White, the guy is an absolute stud. Yeah, if, he, if uh, only he was able to hide his footwork a little bit better, maybe he would have had a touchdown on one of those big catches, but no, he's been phenomenal. He's been. He's almost near Keyshawn Johnson's uh, rookie record uh, for yardage, and that could, that'll probably happen within the next uh, few games, but he's been, he's been a phenomenal draft pick. And that's the pick, remember, that they got for uh, in the Jamal Adams trade. Corey Davis, five catches for 85. And, you know, you could tell, John, that the guys on offense really like playing with Mike White. Even guys like Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore, who had been a little bit unhappy with their roles, you could tell they like playing with uh, White and that they're comfortable with him. What do you think? And Ty Johnson as well, too. You're seeing a little bit more creativity out of Mike LaFleur calling the plays, a little bit of a bump and run in the back, in the backfield. You're using the receivers a little bit differently. Some power plays at times too. But the one thing I want to see a little bit more of the power play as far as with the, with the strong running game to take advantage of James Robinson. That's why you brought him here because you have a quarterback that is not mobile, but you're able to do some things a little bit different. Mike White's also able to get the ball out a lot quicker, but Zach Wilson, the hope is that He'll learn with mechanics at times that he'll be able to get that out quicker, and you just got to learn patience with your plays. Yeah, but you know what? To address your uh, concern with Robinson, Bam Knight, 15 rushes for 90 yards, also six, um, you know, that's six yards a carry and five catches for 28 yards today. So it looks like, at least temporarily, John, that he's um, risen to the rank of number one uh, running back. No, he's giving you what they've missed with Brees Hall. So that has been nice, nice little uh, guy in the backfield. But you know what that you could tell today, too. They definitely miss Michael Carter because especially when he's in the lineup, he's a good change of pace back. And maybe that's where James Robinson is not bringing in. But Knight is definitely dangerous and a guy you got to eye. And teams got to definitely do their homework on over the next couple of weeks. And one thing that they mentioned in the broadcast today, I believe it was Charles Davis who said it, too, especially at this part of the season, Having a fresh set of legs with Knight is going to make a difference in a stretch run for the playoffs because the Jets are nowhere near out of this yet. Johnny, you mentioned going to uh, Buffalo next weekend, 1 o'clock game in Buffalo, cold December, snow up there, the whole nine yards. I think any Jet fan, including yourself, would have, would have at this point in the season said, hey, you know what, we will take playoff you know, implications with a Jets-Bills game. The Bills have a little bit now, you know, more on it. They're back in the number one seed with uh, with Kansas City having lost today. But I'm sure every Jet fan is, is going to be really, you know, just even excited at 7-5 and five to be heading up to Buffalo with something on the line at this point in the season. Oh, 100%. And, again, too, looking at the Bills, they played okay on Thursday night. They haven't played their best. Lately, so and you know they are going to want revenge for what happened in the Meadowlands a few weeks ago. So it should be a, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an important game because right now, as we said, Buffalo's in position for the number one seed. 
They have the tiebreaker with Kansas City. And then they, they're up a game on Baltimore slash Cincinnati. Baltimore's got injuries now. We don't know how long Lamar Jackson's going to be up. Cincinnati looks like they're playing some good football right now. So the Bills got to control their own destiny. After that, you'd face Detroit, who was suddenly really, really a hot team in the NFC, John, before having a Thursday night game uh, at home against Jacksonville. So uh, not an easy stretch coming up. You guys still have to go to Seattle, and the Giants fans know what, what that was like for them, and then finish the season down in Miami. So, again, it doesn't get it any easier uh, for the Jets as we go down the stretch here this this season. No, and I think once we hit Christmas Eve, once you go into that Saturday slate of games, the Jets will have the Thursday done, I think we'll have a good idea what's going to happen the rest of the way. Because if the Jets could do what we think they can do, take care of business at home, Jacksonville, Detroit, on the short, and on the short week especially, so maybe you get locked in Buffalo, yeah, but say you're at right now, if you go into that, with a nine and six record. I said not right now I could see nine wins getting the seventh spot in the AFC playoff picture with who New England and Los Angeles have left on their schedule. I think it's a long shot that the Raiders or Cleveland creep up, so I think eight can do it. The Jets will have the tiebreaker most likely over the Chargers as long as they stand because of strength of schedule and strength of victory. So as long as they do things what they need to do on their end and maybe split the last two, especially if, say, the Dolphins don't have much to play for in the last week of the year, then you're talking 9-8, and 10-7 and seven to finish the year, and I think that gets it done. And I could definitely – there's no reason why the Jets cannot be the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture this year. John, thanks so much. Great job. Happy holidays. We're up against the break. We will talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks, Johnny. And again, let's go Islanders, buddy. Yes. (laughs) All right, folks, we're going to step away for a quick break. We're back with some giant talk right after this on Sports Talk New York. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB 1240 AM. Mike Trezza, Mike Gadone with you till 9 o'clock when Andy Sukoff, our buddy, takes over. And right now, Mike, it's time to dig into today's giant game. I got to tell you. What an emotional roller coaster that game is. They go down 10 nothing. They come back, score 
20 of the next 23 points overall and have to settle for a 20 to 20 tie against what we used to call the football team, now the Washington Commanders. There's so few ties in the NFL that, that games like this, they, they leave you like kind of, it, it's like, I don't know, what do they say? Sometimes you eat Chinese food, you're more hungry after the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, it, again, as you mentioned, got down early, got back into it. Um, and, and you thought they were going to pull it out, you know, throughout overtime. Um, so some interesting play calls here that, you know, we'll get into on the offensive end. Um, but this was a game. Like you said, better than losing. You know, you're seven, four, and one now. You, you're still up one in the loss column over Washington. Um, where this is going to shake down in the playoffs, you know, we'll only know. But um, you know, seven wins through twelve games, only four losses. All right, well, you know, we'll take the tie today, I guess. Yeah, you know, and it's just it's so frustrating because the thing is, is that clearly Philly is a much better team than the Giants. Absolutely, clearly. Dallas is a better team than the Giants. So, Mike, unless you want to go 0-6 in your division, which I don't want to do, clearly nobody wants to do that, you have to beat up this Washington team. And if you can't beat them in your stadium, what makes you think in two weeks we're going to go down to their stadium when, by the way, they're coming off a bye week and we're coming off a game against Philly and beat them then? Most definitely. We talked about this last week that if in having the two games, you had to have this game because for had that to. very reason, had to. Yeah, it's just it, it's uh, I don't know. It's a it, it's a killer. It is. You know, I, I wanted to ask you. I'm looking here at the stats for today. So so the rushing. Well, let, let, let's go to Daniel Jones. All right, twenty twenty five of thirty one. You know, very very Daniel Jones. Yes, yeah, efficient. One touchdown. Can't ask more than that. Now he's your leading rusher. Twelve rushes, seventy one yards. So you know. Obviously, they were gonna. The game plan was to use him in a running capacity today. Saquon had 18 carries for 63, but that was it. You know, earlier in the year, I, I thought that Giants' offense was a little more creative. They kind of, they, they seemed to be catching you know teams on their heels a little bit. Was it that they thought maybe they could catch Washington just with with Daniel Jones running so much today that, that they they weren't expecting that? I don't. Just I didn't see the creativity there today. But what I did like about him early in the game today, Mike, it seemed like when he made his mind up that he was going to go, he, he, he was gone. Go. He yeah. was gone quick. You know what I mean? There wasn't that extra moment of indecision we've seen with him from time to time that cost him the difference between a two-yard gain and a ten-yard gain. So I thought Daniel did a nice job, especially early in the game. The second half, especially late in the game, their offense really seemed to bog down, and they ended up uh, either punting or turning it over like three, four times in a row. There was one sequence toward the end. I was very annoyed with and very frustrated with, and I think um, it was probably the same one you referred to early. Yeah. Can we switch to defense for just a second? Sure. All right. I know we talked about Kayvon Thibodeau a lot, uh, you know, on this program and, and personally. He had two tackles today, three assists, and a sack. But Thibodeau was everywhere. Man. I was going to say, are, are you happy? He, he seems to be rounding into the player that, that – yeah, I mean, the, the one play toward the end where um, Washington had just gotten the ball back and he came up and blasted Heineke in the back. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to force a turnover on that play. Exactly. Yeah. Thibodeau is starting to move like the guy that we think we drafted, which is really, really good news between him, Ojalari, uh, Leonard Williams, and also Lawrence and that front line. I mean, they're going to make it rough for some quarterbacks. And, you know, I mean, if our secondary can hold up like 
it didn't really late in the game today, um, that's going to be good news for the Giants moving forward. All right, so flipping back offensively. So we talked about last week different receivers with the Giants leading the way. Today was Darius Slayton, six catches, 90 yards. That That's a, that's a nice day. Isaiah Hodgins, five catches, 44. Richie James. I like Hodgins, yeah, by the I, way. I mean, I think he can be a nice really viable uh, second option. You know what I mean? And this way you can have uh, Richie James, the super freak, as your, <laughs> as your third option. But, by the way, with, with Slayton, 55 of his 90 came on one play. Correct, absolutely. So that uh, I guess a little inflated numbers there, but yeah, with with Hodgins, definitely a, a wonderful secondary complementary piece. But I use this phrase way too much. But if we had thought, you know, at this point back at at the beginning of the season, we were talking, you know, twelve games into the season that these guys were going to be our leading receivers and were seven, four, and one. I think you'd sign up and take it. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, I actually got desperate enough. Um, over the last few weeks to consider bringing Odell Beckham oh. back in here. Th- thank goodness, Mike, you brought me back to reality on that one. And, uh, well, you know, as, as we were coming on the air last week, that story was breaking about him in the, in the airport and everything. He did visit the Giants this week, apparently. Hopefully it was a short visit and they said thanks for coming in and, you know, packed him a lunch and sent him on his way, uh, on the New Jersey Turnpike because that is just somebody that they do not need, especially, I know, you know, it, it's a signing perhaps for the future and whatever else, but I think the Giants are smart enough at this point to not be signing anybody when they have to make sure that they have their quarterback of the future. No, nah, that was lip safer. service. Yeah, I mean, come I on. Think they wanted, just... they wanted to, I don't know, inflate Beckham's ego I as if it know. needs inflating. I mean, come on. What are they, what are they, what were they doing during the week with I, that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, is it bad for, for an NFL team to say no thanks if a player wants to come in? I mean, they obviously don't have to sign him. I think it's, it's a master. But then why, why have him in? Well, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of is that maybe, you know, they're thinking, all right, here's a high level player who wants to meet with us. We don't want to have a reputation of that we're not going to meet with guys who potentially have interest in with us. But I, I, I would be shocked if they come anywhere near to bringing this guy in. I thought it was pointless. And, and to your point, uh, Hodgins' emer- emergence today and really over the last couple of weeks um, really gives more cred- credence to the lack of, you know, uh, a need to bring in somebody like Beckham. Um, Bellinger, it was great to see him back today after that crazy eye injury. Uh, five catches, 24 yards. Obviously, he's going to have to stay with the shield for the rest of his career. Um Feliciano, it was good to see him back until that idiotic taunting penalty. Mike, Mike, they kick a field goal right there. They're up two scores. That game is over. And I don't want to hear a Giant fan, 516-623-1240. If you want to call me and give me an earful on this, folks, I'll be glad to take it from you. But i got to be honest, I don't want to hear a Giant fan tell me, oh, that's not a penalty, guys taunt on every play. When you go over to the sideline, and I know he was there to try to bail out Slayton, who was kind of getting, you know, pushed around by several guys. Uh, you go over and have to do this big display with the, you know, um, flexing the biceps. I mean, listen, I don't blame the officials for throwing that flag right there. I don't blame them either. And you know what? No matter what sport it is, no matter what level, you know, I, 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 coached a long time i've worked with a lot of great coaches i've read a lot of things about you know what does it always say act like you've been there before 
you know, whether you're scoring, whether you're with a teammate, whatever it is, it's always got to be today about me, 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 and showing, yeah, that the biceps and, you know, it's, it's just, come on, guys. You know, you want to stick up for your teammate, you're there. You can't do silly things like that, especially in a game like this where the margin is razor thin. Uh, Slayton, big drop on that play later on. And listen, I'm not going to get on Slayton. Slayton's been really good. He's had a good chemistry with Jones all season long. And, you know, I thought it was a little unfair on the broadcast. They had to bring up what his drop uh, rate was, <laughs> that he's second in the NFL and dropped. He hasn't dropped a lot this year, no. so I don't know how long that goes back. But, I mean, I can't get on his case on that play. But here's where I am going to get on somebody's case, Mike. I thought right after that, um, okay, you got the ball. It's the end of regulation. You want to ball out a little bit right there. You want to throw the bomb deep. Slayton doesn't get that. Then start running your offense again. If you notice, they aired it out deep on the very next play and ended up going three and out. And I said, what are we doing here? Washington's going to come down, kick a field goal, and they're going to have a, a, a backdoor win on this game. 100% correct. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were thinking in that case because you, you're going to go for it a little bit, but you cannot give the ball back to a team and give them an opportunity to, at, with, with anything in the NFL today, with, you know, a minute, two minutes, timeouts, anytime you give a, an offense. And I love Taylor Haneke. I think, you know, the guy is, I have his stats in front of me now. I, I always, one of, one of our top listeners, my mom down in, in Maryland, she's always like, you always have the stats. Hello, mom. You always have the stats in front of you. And that's because I have the computer here, but 27 to 41, 275, two touchdowns that I'm not putting the ball. I know he's not, you know, Joe Theismann circa 1985, but I'm not giving the ball to Taylor Heineke and giving them an opportunity there 100%. You know, Taylor Heineke, to your point, he's one of those guys that when you watch his game, you say, this guy's not really good, right. but then he comes up with a good, a few good plays that that sort of wow you a little bit. And then when you look at his stat line at the end, and you see twenty-seven for forty-one, two seventy-five yards, two TDs, no interceptions, and some really good plays down the stretch of that game. That play where it was fourth and like twenty, and he scrambles out of trouble and completes that pass down the field. I was like, oh. You're killing me, yeah. dude. Well, he's definitely the main reason why Washington was going. They were in obscurity, you know, three, four weeks ago, and then now he, since he's taken over, he's got them right where you know they they were hoping to be earlier in the season. And you know, kudos to to the Washington team for not playing the high high priced free agents, or they're going with the guy that's going to give them the best chance to win. And um, almost like a Mike White scenario with the with the Jets. That's who Washington, the players, want under center. But, I mean, to your recent point about um, about um, Washington versus yeah. the Giants, I still think, today's game notwithstanding, this is the one team in this division that the Giants are better than. We have to, Mike. Well, and they've owned them over the last couple of years yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we have to. Taylor Heineke or no Taylor Heineke? We, we have to go down there in a couple weeks, even though they're coming off a, a, a bye and we're coming off a game against Philly, um, and kick their rear end. Uh, the other thing we have to do, we have to, and I know this is odious to us as Giant fans. This is very counter. That's an SAT word. It was yep. an SAT show, oh, so oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, odiferous. We have to hope that Philly continues to win. Yeah. Because 
our last game of the season, you know where it is, Mike? Mm-hmm. In Philly. At the link. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we have to hope that that game means, that that game means absolutely, absolutely nothing to, to Philly yeah. and that then unwilling to put Jalen Hurts in in that game and that, yeah, listen, it sounds like a, uh, sort of a, a sleazy backdoor way of uh-huh. trying to get yourself in, but I mean, Honestly, what's that, what's more sleazy than professional sports? Let's do it. Let's, I'll take it, man. <laughs> That's what we're reduced to, and we also have to hope that uh, we can beat Washington down in Washington in two weeks. We yeah. also really, really need now to win that game against Indy on January 1st because, I, honestly, I don't think we're going to beat Minnesota. No, I, that, that's a tall task to ask. And yeah, These other games, are, dude, yeah, with today, you know, I, I said before in the opening with the implications of, of a tie, I don't know, there's, there's a thousand different scenarios, but it, it certainly you know, didn't help us. Yeah. So, um, you know, as we said, here is the stretch of games for the Giants coming down the stretch. Next week, they host Philly. The following week, they're back down in Washington. That's a TBD, by the way, Mike. So they may flex that flex into uh, a primetime game. I have a feeling, based on what happened today, we're going to get a primetime game. I think you're right. Which, honestly, for me, I don't want primetime games no. anymore. No. You know what? I don't want Thanksgiving games. <laughs> I don't want primetime <laughs> games. Just give me my regular Sunday at 1, please. Yes, yeah, Sunday. And, and not... Not at the same time as the Jets, as you said, which never exactly. used to happen. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? I mean, um, first of all, we stink on prime time. Second of all, you know, you stay up till 1130, 12 o'clock for these games. And then if your team is in it and then loses on the last play of the game, you're so disgusted you can't get to sleep. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at my age and I'm still <laughs> that disgusted that I can't get to sleep is, uh, <laughs> says what it needs to say about my life, but whatever. I mean, that's, uh, so let's step away from, uh, all right. So we, we, we have the game against Philly. Um, then we go to back, back to Washington. We go back to Washington at Minnesota. That's a Saturday game, Mike. That's Christmas, Christmas Eve day. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully you can say you're out, uh, wrapping some presents. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Catch a few quarters of that. And then Sunday the first is, uh, that's the game against Indy. That's home. That's a must win. Absolutely. And then Philly, like I said, we have to hope they win out. Uh, but we're going to step away from that for a moment. And right now we're going to talk some Rangers hockey. We haven't done it yet at all this year. And to do that, we are going to welcome in our Rangers reporter. His name is Chris Cayozo. He joins us now. Chris. Hey, Mike. What's going on? All right. Yeah. So what is going on with your lousy Rangers, Chris? 11 and 10, including five overtime losses this year. What's going on? Between, between the Jets, the Knicks, and the Rangers, I don't know who's making me sicker. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're, they're, they're getting leads in the games, and they're not closing out games. This does not look like the same team from a year ago. You know, um, a lot of weird moves going on, you know, in the middle of the beginning of the season, you're trading away your quote-unquote toughest player, Ryan Reeves, for a draft pick to clear up some space and make zero sense. I mean, I thought Chris Jury had a half a brain, but it seems like right now, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, well, Reeves wanted out, so I guess you had to deal him. But the thing that's troubling to me, Chris, and I think probably is to you as well, 4-10 and at home at the Garden. I mean, the Garden used to be a place where, you know, the Rangers always enjoyed success, and now 4-10 and so far in this young season. 
They feasted off the home crowd last year. I could say I was there for a few games. They they loved they loved the home crowd last year. This year, like you said, Mike, the total opposite. And a, a move that really is questioning for me is why they haven't tried out a, a second goalie. Igor Shosturkin has not looked like the same goalie from last year. He's blowing big leads. He did, I think he only has two shutouts on the year, if I'm, if I'm correct. And now they bring in this 41-year-old Halak, and he's only won one game, game in about nine or ten starts, which, you know, if I'm, if I'm the coach, I gotta, you know, try something else out. Yep. Chris, this is Mike Winone here. I was just gonna ask you about that, cause I'm, I'm big into, into goalies. I was a goalie when I was a kid when I played hockey, and I just think it's the, it's one of the greatest positions in all of sport. Um, you know, as, as an Islander guy myself, we had Halak in the Nets, and, and he really did wonderful things for us. But yeah, in a, in a backup role, he does. He have he has eight starts this year. One in six with with an overtime loss. Oof, yeah, that, that's just brutal. He's he's got to give you more than that. But what I'm surprised about is you know eight eight starts in in 26 games. That's quite a bit, don't you think? Yeah, I mean they, they're really they're really you know relying on Sturkin a lot, you know. And you last year you know they had the second goalie in Georgia, you know Georgiev. Yeah. He you know he gave them. On a back-to-back, you had a solid goalie in net. And now when other teams come to the garden, they see Halak in net. It's like an automatic win. And you saw that last night with the Blackhawks, a team that's in rebuilding. And you got, you know, embarrassed in front of the garden crowd. So right now, uh, hopes are not high for the Rangers. Again, they're only, I think, it's early in the season, but they're only like a game or a game and a half out of a wild-card spot. But, you know, if something does not change, this team cannot make the playoffs this year. Chris, interesting too with with the coaching situation. You know, they they brought in Gallant, Gerard Gallant last year, who was uh, he was in Vegas, did wonderful things there. Uh, it seems like his shelf life is always three three years, and then he kind of wears out the team, wears out his welcome. So last year, you know, came in, did did amazing things with that team, got them. I, I think they kind of overachieved, and this year they're underachieving. I wonder. You mentioned Chris Drury making some moves. I wonder if there's any kind of hangover with Gallant, or is it just a matter of that they just kind of hit the skids here, and um, you know, it's not him. But it, it, it's interesting, and I think it's worth looking at because um, you know, where do you always go when a team is is struggling? You know, the first first line of of defense or offense at some point is the coach. I mean, it all stems from the leadership, Mike. And right now, you know, they interviewed Jacob Trouba after the game yesterday, and he said the guys are down. You know, we're not playing well, but we have a lot of fight left in us, and they have. It's not the talent. I think it's at right now. What I think the biggest problem is they're a young team. You know, Jacob Truba, and I, again, we haven't talked. I haven't talked to you guys first report of the year. Jacob Truba should not be the captain of this team. It should be either Chris Kreider, it should be uh, Mika Zibanejad, but I, I don't. Even Ryan Lindgren is a warrior. Jacob Truba, it stems from the leadership, and I don't think that was a great move by the Rangers organization. But yeah, I know last year you you were advocating for Kreider. Yeah, I, I think he's more of a leader, but actually Kreider came out in the interview, and he said, um, he said, listen, I don't, you know, the, every captain that the Rangers have had in the last decade, they've traded. Hmm. Kreider said, I want to be a Ranger for life. So he passed on being the captain. They gave it to Truba, and I think right now, I don't think he's doing that great of a job. 
Some bad overtime losses, Chris. You, as you mentioned, you let some leads slip away late. Shesterkin, four overtime losses. Now listen, I mean, everybody's trying to say the right thing, whether it's players or coaches trying to be supportive of Shesterkin, but I mean, four overtime losses for him. Uh, what do you think is going on with Shesterkin? I think is one of the big questions, Chris. Is he hurt? Is his confidence not where it should be? I mean, can you write it off to like uh I don't know. I mean, what do you think is is going on with with Igor right now? I think I want to use the word that you know Mike used, and he said it's a little. I think it's a little bit of a hangover. I think he overachieved last year. I think he, you know, he I think he won goal. He did win goalie of the year last year. Um, you know, he's one of the best. I still think he's one of the best. I think he has the most talent. Islander fans will tell me Sorokin's better right now. Um, um, but I, I really think it's a little bit of a hangover, Mike. I think he's going to bounce back from this. I just think the conf- you know, the confidence got to his head. And I, I don't think the defense helps at all. They have a young defense with Keandre Miller, who I think is very talented. But, you know, the defense isn't playing well. And the defense can't, can't help you. You know, he can't do it all by himself. We had a solid defense last year. You know, we made a few moves in the offseason, but I really think he bounces back from this, and I, I, don't, I think this is a confidence issue right now. So the Rangers, they, they have uh, tomorrow night going to welcome the St. Louis Blues in, and then they go on the road. They go to Vegas and Colorado. Not an easy trip out west for those two, and then come home a week from tomorrow and play the Red Hot Devils and then welcome in, uh, you know, Toronto. So th- this is th- this is not an easy stretch that – for the Rangers, there's no gimmies in this schedule. I mean, the 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 real lighter game in the, coming up here is against Philadelphia, but that's not in, in, for about two weeks. So really, they can't afford to to drop any any more and, and get deeper in the hole. So um, you know, getting out here, obviously avoiding these overtime games because it seems to be kind of the Achilles heel of the team right now. But they got to go out on the road here and make some sort of statement, you think, in these next couple of games and then come back and, you know, maybe right the ship before they host New Jersey. And then, you know, a week from now we could have, be singing a little bit of a different story. But if not, um, Chris, I think, you, you know, they could be in trouble here, you know, really – you know, it, it's getting it. What, what's the the phrase I always say? It's getting late early. Is that getting what? Late early. It's getting late early, and, and it really is here for the for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, this week is is going to be a true test. You know, you bring in a St. Louis Blues team who hasn't looked good since they made the Cup um, about three years ago. Um, then you go on the road. You play Vegas. Who Vegas had a little bit of a hangover a couple of years ago when they made the Cup. They this is their probably their first year they look good in a yeah in a couple since they made it. And then, you know, for the Avalanche, I think they're having not the year that they wanted so far. But the thing I'm looking forward to most about that matchup and to see how the Rangers bounce back, you know, you let Gorgiev come into the Garden, probably have his best game of the year, and beat you in a shootout. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see what kind of reaction the Rangers come out with when they go to Colorado. Um, but the game I want to talk about and the team that I'm most shocked with is the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. You know, you go up 2 nothing early last week, and you let a team just score four in a row on Igor, no less. The Devils so are hot, though, Chris. Yeah, they're hot. They're hot. They're hot at the right time. Because in hockey, you want to get all the points you can get early, you know. So it's how you start the year, and it's also how you finish the year. So, you know, I'm excited to see how the Rangers, you know, go into the All-Star break. Um, so they could, you know, sit in the playoff spot at the All Star break and then, you know, rebuild, get a little break in them. But 
you know, this week's important, like you said, Mike. So if you can grab maybe two wins, beat the Blues, maybe take either one of two in Vegas or Colorado, and then come back and hopefully beat the Devils. Hey, Chris, great job. Appreciate it. Have a great holiday season, and by the next time we talk to you, I want the Rangers to be doing better. 100%, Mike. Happy holidays, guys. It's your fault if they don't, all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. All, all right. right. Thanks a lot Have for a your insight. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon, guys. Thanks. All right. All right, Mike. Let's dig into a little NBA. I know I'm catching you at the right time. A big Knicks win tonight. Now 11 and 13. Only 5 and 7, though. At the Garden this year. Yeah, but what's going on with the Garden? The Rangers are struggling. The Knicks are struggling. Nobody I, can win there. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, is Mr. Dolan up in the rafters somewhere putting the whammy on people? What's going on? I don't know. I, I think it's just a I think it's just a lot of mediocre play from both teams. But big bounce back win for the Knicks tonight. They Last night, uh, we'll just backtrack just for a second. They, they had a good start against Dallas, up 12 after the first quarter, and then third quarter just got completely run out of the building, outscored 41-15. to 15, and, and we were talking about this before we came on the air, Mike, that the Knicks last night, 77 shot attempts, field goal attempts, Dallas 100. I mean, I, I don't. That's they, a crazy that is, isn't that, That's crazy. You're never. You're, you're not going to win at the PB level if you're giving up, you know, <laughs> 23 more shots to your opponents. And and Dallas took 60. I believe it was 63, 61. They were 24 for 61 from three. Knicks. And, you know, Knicks what, conversely 10 for 31. What surprises me about that is that. Um, if the difference there was second shots and rebounding, the Knicks have been pretty, pretty solid on the glass this year. I mean, between Mitchell Robinson and the guy Hartenstein, I mean, they've both been doing a really nice job on the boards. Uh, Robinson, about seven and a half rebounds a game, and Hartenstein is close to seven uh, rebounds a game coming off the bench. Absolutely. Knicks are basically middle of the pack. In the NBA and rebounding both offensively and defensively. So they, uh, that hasn't been the problem at all. Um, you know, last night they were out rebounded by five, but that's in a, in a 21 point loss. You would, you would figure that would be even, even more egregious. There's another SAT word for you. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it seems to come down to the shooting, you know, and we, uh, seven days ago talked about RJ Barrett's struggles and that seems to continue a little bit. You know, I don't want to harp on last night, but that was, that was the, the the game to kind of talk about, but we'll we'll get to tonight because I think that that as a Nick fan, that's definitely a, a more of a feel good story in a lot of ways because you welcome in Cleveland, who has Donovan Mitchell, who was the the big chip that everybody wanted, and came in tonight to the Garden, and, and the Knicks won the game. So you it's know, the at big least, fish that got away. Yeah, it is, and you know what you think to yourself with him and Jalen Brunson and maybe Julius Randle, and you know, you try not to. Get ahead of yourself, but that that would that would have been interesting. But RJ tonight, let's fifteen points, five for thirteen from the field, two for seven again from three. They just they stop letting him shoot oh from three. They, the team was five for twenty nine, and they still won the game from three. Um, and five for twenty nine. Five for twenty nine. Oh, that's yeah, abysmal. That that's rough. I mean, in the NBA, you're just not going to win. I'm surprised they they even took it. Cleveland, I think, was even worse tonight. I'll, I'll give you a little quick. Eight for 35. So, yeah, it was a lot of bricks being laid in the, in the garden tonight. Um, Mitchell had 23. So he, he was really kind of the full story for Cleveland tonight. But, um, yeah, nice nice bounce back win. But the Knicks have got to find some shooting here. Just just got to find it somehow. We You had brought up last week about quickly. Maybe, you know, is he on the block or whatever. He's a great chip, but 
if they're going to go any place this year, they got to get a shooter, or maybe they're just happy to. Hey, listen, we'll be we'll be maybe be in the playing game. You know, we're we're treading water. We're you know eleven and thirteen now. I, I don't know. That's that that doesn't get me excited. Yeah, I mean Fournier was the guy whose name I couldn't think of last week, <laughs> well, and rightly, for good reason. Yeah, exactly. I mean nobody sees him anymore. I think he's is he in, in essence out of the rotation now, Mike. He's he's nowhere to be found. Wow. I mean, really, yeah, he's he's just he's yeah he's he's nowhere. His minutes have now been taken over by guys like Cam Reddish and uh, Grimes, Jericho and, Sims. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean for Jericho sure, Jericho Turnpike. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi topping. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's why I thought Fournier was brought in to be that three-point specialist. Yeah. But um, uh, obviously didn't play enough defense for Thibodeau right. and is now stapled to the bench, as they there, say. There just isn't a, a three-point shooter on the team. And then you talk about the Nets, which we'll, maybe we'll finish up with here tonight. You know, they have they kind of have an abundance of, of three-point shooters. Seth Curry, you know, Joe Harris, those – that's when an NBA team is supposed to have a couple of guys that can knock down a couple of shots. Yeah, but you know what, though, Mike? Their weakness, they don't have guys um, around the rim that protect the rim the way Robinson does for the Knicks and even Hartenstein does. Uh, each of those gentlemen uh, block shots. I mean, you know I like Claxton. Uh, I, I still like him this year. I like him more and more this year. And he's the only guy. I mean, can't shoot no. if he's more than two feet from the basket. Can't but he, do but he should, with, with the weapons they have, he shouldn't, they shouldn't rely on him to exactly. score at all. I mean, exactly. I mean, other than stickbacks or like alley-oops, that's the only thing he can score on. Right. But um, eight and a half rebounds per game, and now the third leading scorer on the Nets with 12 points a game, so Claxton's making a contribution. He is, and and the, they, the Nets lost tonight, you know, to a tremendous Boston team by 11. They were in the game, you know, they were down six with with three minutes to go. They were right there, so uh, you know, they might have dug themselves a little bit too deep of a hole coming out here, but at least they've, you know, put all the drama aside, and they they could make a little push here as long as they stay healthy. Absolutely, and as long as uh, Kyrie doesn't, you know, court oh. any more drama. I mean, well, as stay off of Netflix and yeah, and everything we've had enough Kyrie, with all please. that, Mike. You know, I mean, you can't have him there, as we talked about yeah. a, a number of times. You can't have him there part of the time, not no. there part. Of the, it's just, it's ridiculous. So uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, from Sports Talk New York, we want to thank Chris Cayozo, Chris Caputo, and also Johnny Sticks for coming on with us. For everybody here at Sports Talk New York, including my partner, Mike Adone, this is Mike Trezor thanking you for listening. We will see you after the first of the year. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, everybody. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of W.